0: And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. I'm grateful to God, I really am, for this tremendous honor of speaking for him and fellowshipping with the family of the North England Conference, whether they're the youth or those before the youth level or those beyond. It is my privilege to be with you and I thank God. It is really an honor to speak for him. I hope you're all well by the abiding grace of God. I know how difficult it is in England at this time with extra restrictions and a new variant of the coronavirus having been discovered. By the way, it has come to the United States. A couple of cases have been discovered. But the difficulty that we're facing is not a difficulty for God. The only difficulty God really has is getting to us to be fully committed to him. The Red Sea was not a difficulty for God. Hunger in the wilderness was not a difficulty for God. He parted the Red Sea. He rained bread from heaven. He brought water from the rock of Flint as the Bible describes it. Difficulties do not challenge God. God just needs us to trust Him. And when we do that, God works in miraculous ways because when He does that, the glory comes to His name. And so I hope the Lord is sustaining you and I hope that you are trusting Him the only way to trust God, really, is to obey his word. I pray and ask that God will bless the leadership of NEC, particularly the youth leadership. Uh, Pastor Ramden, may the Lord grant him wisdom that he may guide the youth in the right direction forward and upward. If there's anyone listening who is not a Seventh-day Adventist, please believe that I am particularly delighted to welcome you. And I pray that God will bless you so that you will desire to fellowship with us again believe it or not christ is coming soon it is a reality we seldom discuss but jesus christ who himself was at 1.16 17 and 18 he is coming back and i hope that that will be a part of your consciousness and that it may guide your choices and your decisions our message for today is on guard on guard is our message before i get into that let me ask you, wherever you are, preserve a spirit of reverence. God does not change because we are on Zoom or Facebook or YouTube. The holiness of God remains what it is, undiluted, unaffected by the circumstances surrounding us as we worship him. And so preserve an atmosphere of reverence where you are. Favor number two, while I'm speaking, pray for me and say, Lord, put your words in that man's mouth. I need that support from you. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. And I truly, earnestly want to speak only the words of God. And favor number three, think as you listen. And that should be natural behavior for you as young people who are perhaps in university or college. Think. Isaiah 1 come now, let us reason together, said the Lord. Our God is a reasoning God and a reasonable God. And he invites you to reason through the scriptures under the guidance of his Holy Spirit. Our subject on guard, let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you, Father, that despite the trials and tribulations of our modern society with particular respect to this pandemic and the restrictions imposed upon us, we still thank you for life, dear God. As we bow in your presence, if we have sinned against you, forgive us, Father. You love to forgive. Calvary exists as the basis for your forgiveness. Not only forgive, Father, but empower us to avoid the things that have caused us to break your heart. For me, God, particularly forgive me if i've offended you put your words literally in my mouth that what i say may be from the throne of grace may god a special blessing on all our visitors we thank you for their presence with us and father i present to you anyone listening who may have contracted covid 19 in the name of jesus for whom nothing is impossible in the name of jesus the great physician Heal that person or those persons, I pray. Not just give them improvement, Father. Heal them completely, particularly if they are members of the household of faith. But even if they are not, dear God, I think of your comforting words in Matthew 545. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust, whether they're unjust, whether they're evil. Father, your mercy is such that you, 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 you love to show mercy, so touch those afflicted by the virus, restore them to health, and let that demonstration of your mercy, dear God, draw them to you because we love him because he first loved us. Hear this humble prayer, Father. I offer it from my heart in Jesus' name, amen. On guard is our subject for this morning. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3 where the catastrophe of sin occurs. Genesis chapter 3 we shall read let's read from verse well, let's read from verse 1. You cannot read the Bible too much. Genesis 3 reading from verse 1. We know from chapter 2 verse 16 17 God had warned Adam not to eat of this tree, eat of all the others leave one alone that one was reserved for God. And by the way whatever is reserved for God don't touch it and I refer particularly now to the tithe and the Sabbath. Whatever is reserved for God, do not touch it, leave it alone, it's his. And God had told Adam, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That's the background, Genesis 2, 16, 17. Now we come to chapter three from verse one. he shall not surely die for god doth know that in the day eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and he shall be as gods knowing good and evil verse seven and when verse six and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did ate and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat now seven. and the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons now, our subject is on guard adam and eve now being conscious of nakedness a consciousness brought about because of sin because in verse 25 of chapter 2 the bible says And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They had no consciousness of shame, of embarrassment, of humiliation. Sin brought that. Now they are aware of their nakedness and they try to deal with it in their own way. And so they sewed fig leaves together, that's the material, and made themselves aprons. That's the fashion or the design. That's the, the material, fig leaves, the fashion aprons now go to verse 21 we observe the response of god verse 21 of genesis 3 our subject on guard i'll pray again dear god please tighten your grip on my faculties that all i say may be from you in jesus name i pray amen unto adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them? Why was it necessary for God to change the outfit that Adam and Eve had made for themselves? You will observe that God did not make aprons of skins. They made aprons of leaves. Now God could have made aprons of skins, but God not only changes the fabric, he changes the style. And I hope I'm clear, and it's very simple. They made aprons of leaves, and preachers generally say, and I have said it, leaves don't bleed. These aprons had to represent the sacrifice of Christ to come. But God not only changed the fabric from leaves to skin, because skins came from an animal that Adam had to kill. He also changed the style. They made aprons; he made coats. In other words. God made a fashion statement in Eden. The fashion in verse seven was not of God. It was of the enemy and God changed it. Listen to me carefully. The fashion chosen by Adam and Eve in verse seven was not of God and God changed it. Because in verse seven, And verse 8 and verse 9, they are lost. Yes, they are lost. When Jesus met with Zacchaeus in Luke 19, he told him in verse 10, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. This seeking did not begin in the experience of Zacchaeus. This seeking began the instant Adam sinned because Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so when Jesus said, the son of God is come to seek and to save, that began way back in Eden. Christ has come to save them because when they sinned, the father no longer communicated face to face. So it was Christ in that garden of Eden. And he changed, now that you're coming to me, the way you dress has to change. And so he changed the model, he changed the style from an apron to a coat so that they were fully clothed. What am I trying to say? We are in 2021, and we thank God for having brought us this far. We don't want to go much further. We'd like Christ to come immediately, because by the way, that is the only lasting and effective solution to sin and its consequences we're into 2021 satan has several ways to enter your life one way is fashion don't turn your device off listen to me carefully your older brother one way the devil comes to you is fashion it is a mistake to believe the devil wants everyone to commit murder and rob banks no that's not the case He knows he will not be successful in those approaches. Very few people rob banks. Very few people commit murder, but everyone follows fashion. I did not say that clearly. Let me say it again. Satan is not an idiot. When God made him, he was the wisest being God ever made. Thou sealest up the sun full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Ezekiel 28 verse 12. He uses that wisdom and he strategizes as to how to topple and overthrow the soul. The devil knows, for instance, where after Christ died, a couple of centuries after he died, the devil tried persecution, killing the saints, but the more he killed them, the more the numbers multiplied and he changed his tactic because shedding the blood did not work. So what he did, he brought in paganism, baptized paganism, mingled it with the church, That did not Christianize paganism, it paganized Christianity. And so he corrupted the church and from that corrupt church sprang the papacy. The devil is very very tactical. And as we stand on the beginning of 2021, you must ask yourself, in what ways will the enemy come at me? And I'm suggesting to you based on scripture, one way he comes at us is fashion. Let me say it more bluntly. It is possible to dress satanically and those of us who do that we need to have the supreme design of god change our fashion so that we reflect him we need a change from aprons to coats not just the change of the fabric but the change of the style this is one way the devil comes at us and so we must be on guard let me say it again the devil does not try to get most people to commit heinous crime. He would love to if he could, but he knows he would not succeed. Satan won't try to tempt you to kill your mother, kill your father, no, but he will tempt you in areas that look so innocuous and harmless, and where you least expect the devil to come at you. And one way is the style of dress, between male and female. But style of dress, is not only what you wear. Let us go to 1 Timothy chapter two, We read from verse nine. 1 Timothy chapter two, we'll also go to 1 Peter chapter, we'll let's go to First Peter chapter three, we'll read from there. 1 Peter chapter three, we read verse three. Let me pray again. Father, as we continue the message on guard, speak through me directly and clearly and grant comprehension to those listening. In Jesus name I pray, amen. First Peter three, reading from verse three, who's adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair, wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the inner man of the heart. You know, Peter is saying, your adornment should not be the outside, it should be, let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Platting the hair, he says, now don't panic here. let me deal with plaiting the hair. Whatever that means, whatever that means, clearly God is concerned with the way we wear our hair. Even if we may not have the details, what exactly does plaiting the hair mean? At least we can conclude God has some concern about the hairstyles we wear and we follow. And the same thing is found in first Timothy chapter two from verse nine that godly women be careful about the way they hair and the way they dress. How you look is important to God and the devil can come at you by the way you dress. The devil can come at us by our hairstyles on guard. And so the purpose for our subject is we have to watch How we present ourselves to the public we have to be careful how we dress we have to be careful how we wear our hair why because there's a fashion that represents god and the holy spirit will give you the details someone may ask well what are the details i don't have the details and the bible does not give details but the bible has this thing called conviction from god Surely, if God talks about hairstyles in first Timothy two, verse nine, and first Peter 3, 5, 3, 1 Peter three, three, four, and five, then God has a concern, I'm saying, about how we look. And so we have to be on guard as to how we dress and the way we wear our hair. That has to be watched, my brothers and sisters. Let's go to Daniel chapter one. Our subject on guard. Daniel 1, and we're examining what are the harmless, so-called harmless ways, the ways which we least suspect that the devil can come at us and through that seemingly harmless way, control our lives. Before we get to Daniel, you may say the devil is not controlling my life. Let me tell you something. Most of the people who oppose God did not appear to be demon-possessed. Yes, there were many cases that Christ uh, had to heal, demon possession, Matthew 12, onward, then was brought unto him, one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him. There were those cases, but the Pharisees and the high priests and those people who were leaders in opposing Christ and putting him to death, they were not described as demon possessed as in the case of the ordinary person who was demon possessed. Most demon possessed people look normal. I didn't say that clearly, let me try British English. (laughs) Most people under the control of the devil look perfectly normal. They're not rolling on the ground, foaming at the mouth. You do not need to exercise those symptoms in order to be targeted as a demon-possessed person. It would not do the devil's program any good if all his people behave that way, people would avoid. But when demon-possessed people look normal, and are quiet and a polite and a poised, well-mannered. When they appear that way, no one suspects that person is led by the enemy. But let me tell you, there is no one more demon possessed than the person who says, kill God. Now let's go to Daniel 1. What other way the devil comes at us as we need to be on guard. And the king appointed them a daily provision of his meat, of the wine he drank. So nourishing him three years, Daniel 1, reading verse five, that at the end thereof, they might stand before the king. Now in verse eight says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. What we have here now is diet. The devil can come at us through the way we eat. No one describes eating as a form of demon possession. And I don't mean to be extreme, but surely I want to strike you right between the eyes to wake you up. The devil can come at you by the way you eat because eating affects morality. Eating affects the intellect. Eating affects judgment. As a matter of fact, there's a statement that counters and Dads and foods. I'll find it and send it to pastor rambin He can make it available to all of you where Elamai says many, Terrible decisions, I'm paraphrasing, are made on church boards because of the way people eat before they attend the church board. They say no when they should have said yes. They say yes when they should say no. Why is that? The way that they eat. And so God, moving through Daniel and his companions, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he led them to resist. Now keep in mind, what Nebuchadnezzar recommended was the royal. Diet. You don't get higher than the royal diet of a country. He recommended the king's food to these captives. They said no. They said no. Because they realized, if you read verse 8 carefully, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile. In the Hebrew mind, defilement means sin. Defilement was. Sin connected to the sacrificial system. He would not defile himself. Many of us, when we sit to eat, we defile ourselves, and defilement is not the work of God. Defilement is the work of the enemy, I say. This is one way the devil comes at us, and my young friend listening to me, we ought to take a close look at how we eat in 2021 we cannot go back and reverse our culinary habits that we practice in 2020 that is gone we can make choices and decisions about how we will eat in 2021 this new year that god has given to us at least the beginning of that year the devil can come at us through forks and knives how we eat what's our subject on guard God changed the dress style, literally, of Adam and Eve. Let me just pause on Daniel, go back to Genesis. Let's go back a while, while I pray, as you go back. Father, as I go back to Genesis, continue to be with me. Father, I pray, please, in Jesus' name, amen. Observe Genesis 3.7 and Genesis 3.21 as we continue on guard. In verse 7 of Genesis 3, the Bible says, And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They dressed themselves. Verse 21. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Now we have... Adam and Eve clothing themselves in verse seven, we have God clothing them in verse 21. Now you may say, wait, is God supposed to come down from heaven and clothe me? Yes, but how? Through the convicting power of his word. Yes, God wants to dress you. And you're shaking your head saying, say, this preacher needs medication. I don't need medication. I don't take medication. My medication is this. You let God dress you, you let God lay your table, you let God fix your hair. How? By asking God, Father, is this for your glory? If you will ask that question, the way you eat will change, the way you dress will change. The things you read will change. The things you watch will change. Those with whom you associate will change. If you sincerely ask the question, is this for the glory of God? And so God dressed them in chapter, verse 21 of chapter three of Genesis, they dressed themselves in verse seven of that same chapter. And let me hazard a guess. Most of us young and old, we dress ourselves. Why do I say that? Our concern is not, do I look like a child of God? Our concern is, do I look sharp? Do I look better than him or than her? Do I look fashionable? Am I in style with the, the icons of society? Those are the considerations that drive us when we dress, not the child of God. It makes no difference to me if you're 16, 6, or 166. Your first consideration and mine must be the glory of God. And I'm suggesting to you very directly, let God dress you. This is not symbolic language. Let God dress you, how? By the instruction of his word. How? By the conviction of the spirit of God. And the spirit of God convicts us by applying the word to our hearts and to our minds and our consciences. Let God dress you. Because if you don't, Satan will come at you through dress. Let God you develop your menu because if you don't the devil will come at you through that let god be the one who determines and decides how you dress and eat and so we go back to daniel 1 verse 8 daniel purpose in his heart also the three hebrew boys hananiah mishael azariah that he would not defile himself purpose in his heart he laid up his mind, we are familiar with New Year's resolutions. I will lose weight, I will join the gym, I will stop eating between meals, I will stop being lazy, I will stop cheating on exams, I will stop trying to take away my best friend's girlfriend. We make all these resolutions, most of which we don't keep because we sound very much like the Israelites who told God, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Let's make this resolution, and let's say by the grace of God, I will let God decide how I dress. I will let God decide how I eat. I will let God decide what academic program I pursue at Oxford, Cambridge, University of Sussex, wherever you go. I will let God decide whom I date. I will let God decide these things How? because I will search his word I will search the counsel of the spirit of prophecy and based on that and the conviction that come to me, I will decide so that my decisions always tend to the glory of God. And let me tell you something, that which glorifies God will bless your life. I say it again, that which glorifies God will bless your life. I just lost the video momentarily. That which glorifies God, let me say it the third time, will bless your life. There is a law in physics. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Listen, listen to me. Every time you glorify God, that's an action. There's a reaction upon you, a blessing. First Samuel chapter two, verse 30. Them that honor me, I will honor. It is a spiritual law, it is a physical law because physical laws have spiritual parallels. When you honor God, there is a rebound effect upon your life. Being faithful to God is not a one-way street because your faithfulness to God results in a response from God to you. And so when you decide to dress for the glory of God, and eat for the glory of God and do whatever you do for the glory of God, something comes your way from above because no one who honors God goes unrewarded. Let me say that again. No one who honors God goes unrewarded, but there's a dark side to that, or there's another side. No one who honors the devil goes unrewarded. As honoring God has an effect upon you, which is positive, Honoring Satan has an effect on your life, which is absolutely negative. Our subject on guard, my young brother, my young sister, you must be on guard, you must be on alert. How will the devil come to me? And he comes in ways that appear on the surface to be absolutely harmless. He comes in ways that do not cross our minds as possible avenues of entrance into our lives for the enemy. But I hope you have seen in this brief presentation that the devil can come at us in all kinds of ways. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6. Let's read from verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6, reading verse 14, our subject on guard. (laughs) I'll pray again. Father... Give me direct language and compassionate language for I too am a sinner. But let me speak boldly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen to 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? The obvious answer is none. Let me put your mind at ease. That verse is not intended to say, do not fellowship with people not of the faith. That's not what it is saying. It is saying, be ye not an equally yoke together do not bind yourself do not tie yourself to those not of your faith because if you do that you expose yourself to apostasy and spiritual decline that is why god told the israelites coming out of the wilderness do not mingle with the heathen they will turn your heart from me he could have said mingle with them and turn their hearts to me no 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 god said if you mingle with them they will turn your heart to me and there are many many stories you know them where adventist youth or all the adventists have mingled with unbelievers and the unbelievers have exerted a negative effect and there are parents perhaps listening to me now and you know that the friendship your child has with an unbeliever has had a deleterious and a harmful effect Because we have a natural, uh, our carnal nature with which we're born, it tends downward. The natural condition of a man or a woman, the carnal nature always looks downward, it tends downward. And so we are born with a natural urge for that which is anti-God. Now, when we expose ourselves to those not of our faith, we simply make the situation worse. I am not saying you cannot fellowship, I'm not saying that or associate, I am saying that the intimate close mingling must be avoided, why? Because the effect will most likely be to draw you away from God. Now I'm speaking particularly to those of you involved in romantic relationships outside of the church. That is one powerful way that Satan comes at you If you do not believe me, read about the life of Solomon. Solomon had girlfriends and wives from unbelieving nations and they led him away from God. This is no time to speak easy sermons. This is a time for spiritual bluntness, but love can be blunt, my listening friends. Love can be blunt. If you are involved in a relationship outside of the faith, you must break it off and stop why because it is an avenue by which the devil enters your life and can control your life and ruin your life be on guard be not an equally yoked together with unbelievers and this lesson with regard to relationship is seen in the very creation of the world genesis chapter one reading from verse one in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. In the creation of the world at the physical level, God placed a spiritual lesson. Light and darkness must not commingle. Using this verse, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6.14, be ye not an equally yoked together with unbelievers, what communion hath light with darkness? What communion? None. Again, in uh, I think it's Councils for the Church, page 312, paragraph three, L.Y. writes, the society of evildoers will do us no harm if we mingle with them for the purpose of connecting them to God and are strong enough spiritually to withstand the influence. Association has influenced my listening friend. Let me say it again. The person with whom you mingle will exert an influence over you because influence is something we cannot stop. We can decide the quality, but the moment someone sees you, that person is influenced by you to some degree. And so Ellen White writes, the society of evil doers will do us no harm if we mingle with them for the purpose of connecting them to Christ and are strong enough spiritually to withstand the influence. On guard, how does the devil come at you? Dress, there are too many satanic dress styles in the house of God. And surely that should change. How does the devil come at you? The way we eat. We do not understand the catastrophic effect or the beneficial effect eating has on us morally, physically, and spiritually. It is not by accident that Daniel, which is a companion to Revelation, which is which are the two books essential for these last days it is not by accident that the very first chapter of daniel is a story about diet because diet affects comprehension of the word of god many of us cannot understand the word of god because of how we eat we ought to be on guard a clear mind is associated with the diet satan can control your life excuse me, through diet. Satan can control your life through dress. Satan can control your life through your social associations because there are many people, young and old, who prefer to break the heart of God than to break the heart of a friend that they should not have had an intimate union with. Let me say that again. I'll say differently. Here's a choice. I need to break off this relationship. It is anti-Bible. It is anti-God but I don't want to break his heart. Let me break God's heart. That's how many of us think. No, 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 no. Thou shall have no other gods before me. Always spare God the suffering. Break it off. Let me say it more directly. If you are involved in a relationship of someone outside of the faith, break it off. If you have a wedding plan for tomorrow, but today you're not married, don't. Go ahead with it. You are contrary to the very clear direction of your heavenly father who loves you. L. White wrote to a young lady who was in that same position, about to marry someone who was not of the faith. And she wrote these words. Though the companion of your choice were in all other respects worthy, which he is not, yet he is an unbeliever. he has not accepted the truth for this time he is an unbeliever which means an unbeliever is someone who does not accept present truth there are many such people who are actually in the church who don't accept present truth Ellen White describes an unbeliever as someone who does not accept present truth I think it's a letters to young lovers page 87 paragraph three my listening friend an unbeliever is not someone who does not go to church. <clears throat> the person may be the finest Baptist in the history of the Baptist church. The person may be the finest Pentecostal, the finest Presbyterian, the finest whatever. The person does not accept present truth as, as entrusted to the seven day Adventists and that person then is within our context, an unbeliever. It's not a judgment on whether the person will be saved or not. That's not the point. An unbeliever from our context is someone who does not accept present truth. And what is present truth? The commandments of God. The possibility of total victory over sin. The sure return of Jesus Christ. His intercessory work in the sanctuary. The humanity of Christ. The divinity of Christ. The Sabbath doctrine. The state of the present truth the absolute reliability of the word of God, on guard. I hope the bluntness of my message has not put you off, but you are at the beginning of a new year. Let behavior be new. There's a new year, put new wine in new bottles. You see, as Jesus said, put new wine in new bottles. We have a new year. Don't bring the behavior of 2020 and infest this new year with that old behavior. Make a change make a change examine your life pray the prayer of david in psalm 139 verses 23 24 search me O oh god know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me you pray that prayer and you will be surprised in a saving way what god will show you and when he shows you act may i ask you a question do you need to review the way you dress? Dress has everything to do with salvation. Do you need to review the way you eat? eat eating has much to do with salvation. Adam fell on the question of eating. Christ gained the victory first on eating before he began his public ministry. Where Adam fell is where Christ won, eating. Do you need to change your social and romantic relationships? My young brother, my young sister, a tough message ought not to be long, as long as it's direct and clear. Our subject on guard. Open your eyes. Where am I allowing the devil into my life? Where? Is it the way I dress, the music I listen to? Because in Daniel chapter 2, when those, chapter 3, when those Hebrew boys refers, refer to bow, the as I said in verse 15, now if ye be ready, then at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who's that God that shall deliver you out of my hand? The as I said, wait for the music. When ye hear it, bow down. Music affects spirituality. I'm not telling you what to listen to. I'm simply saying music affects your spiritual life. Music can affect your physical behavior. I've never heard of a riot at a classical concert. I hear of fights and riots at rock concerts and rap concerts. I've never heard of one at a classical music concert or gospel concert or spiritual concert. They happen at those other concerts. What am I trying to say? Music affects you at the very cellular level. What you listen to may be the reason why you're rebelling against your parents, what you're listening to. All right, I've bothered you enough. And you're unhappy with me i see your scowling faces by faith but you're still handsome it's okay let me make my appeal before i leave you to think the devil can come at you in ways that you do not suspect but he comes nonetheless you do not have to be a murderer a, a serial killer to be a child of the devil because all the devil told adam and eve to do was to eat a fruit And they became his until Christ came into the garden and rescued them. Let me repeat. They became his until Christ came down and rescued them. Don't be the devil's child by the way you dress. Don't represent him by the way you eat. Don't represent him by the associations and the romantic bonds you establish. Don't represent him by the music with which you fill your mind. Ask yourself, Am i representing god by this fashion this style this music this this association whom am i representing whose agenda am i advancing by my choices let me be on guard and to be on guard this is your weapon the word of god it doesn't have details as to what color of skirt you should wear or what material should make up your stocking but it provides conviction and god never fails to convict his children. May the Lord bless you as you look forward to a blessed 2021. And as you by the Spirit's power and leading and guidance stand on guard, shutting off Proverbs 423, the avenues of the soul. Shut them off to the entrance of the enemy. And may your life be such that those who see you and associate with you and observe you from afar may catch the right idea of your God. And because of that, may come to know him. When Jesus Christ comes, let no one who's perishing in the flames say, you standing on that wall, you're the reason why I'm lost or you contributed. Let someone say in the kingdom, I am in this kingdom because I watched you. I'm in the kingdom because I observed you. I accepted Christ because I watched your lifestyle. Let that be the testimony we hear. Until that day, be on guard. Think the glory of God first, not the glory of the enemy. Because he comes at you in ways you may not suspect. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your words. Sometimes, Lord, it hits like a sledgehammer, but that's the way truth functions at times. Thank you for his clarity. Thank you for the youth and those who are not youth who listened. Thank you for the guests who listened. Dear God, help us to understand we cannot outsmart the devil. We need divine grace and help and insight that we may see how he is seeking to enter our lives and too often we grant him permission. Help us to shut off those avenues dear Father, to block his entrance into our lives so that our lives, every facet of our lives becomes an expression of the glory of God. Bless the youth, bless their studies, help them to decide how I will use my studies for the glory of God. Let their lives have a saving influence on their friends. Bless the parents who sacrificed so much for them. Bless the North England Conference, dear God. Bless Pastor Randon, who's the leader of the youth. Give him wisdom from above. Father, when you come, let it be that everyone under the sound of my voice will be saved. And before I close the prayer, I present to you again, anyone listening who may have contracted the coronavirus, heal those persons, dear God, I pray from my heart. Heal them for your glory. I offer this prayer from my heart in the name of Jesus Christ and for his sake. Amen.